Is everyone ready to get spicy? Spicy. Grab your jalapeno poppers and join us for some of the internet's best D&D hot takes. That's how we roll. 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 Welcome to the Goblin's Corner. My name is Eric. And I'm Matt. And tonight, we're doing hot takes on hot takes. That's right. We are jumping knee-deep into the internet web of all sorts of unbelievable hot takes that people have about tabletop games. Mostly yeah, swimming in some napalm. It'll be yeah, great. It's, it's all a dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. And so tonight, we're going to do our hot takes on those hot takes. It'll be fun. Sure. But before we get to all of that... Hit the like and subscribe button. Help us get our show out to more people and get notified when more amazing episodes come your way. And hey, if you're listening to the show, give us a review on iTunes or Podchaser. Or we'll do another Hot Takes episode. (laughs) About how people don't do reviews? Absolutely. Hey, look, I see (laughs) the people who are watching YouTube. I know all of you are unsubscribed. Subscribe to the show. That's true. You actually see the metrics. I see the (laughs) analytics. I know. I'm Neo. (laughs) I am the one. Maybe not Neo. (laughs) No, no one can be Keanu Reeves except Keanu Reeves. It's true. He is the internet darling. So let's get down to brass tacks. First off, uh, to preface all of this, we're doing a hot takes because, A, I'm in a bad mood. Okay. And I feel that a hot takes is great because I'm already angry. Sure. You know, I've been suffering from insomnia again, mm-hmm. which I reoccurringly have every several months. And by the way, internet, if you're interested in how someone exists and lives on three to five hours of sleep for 20 years at a time, please hit me up. We'll have a nice discussion about it. It's Either not, of us, really. It's a special kind of hell, let me tell you. But it's gotten even worse. And so I figured, since I'm in a bad mood, let's go ahead and do some hot takes. Sure. You know, let's, let's steer this plane into the mountain if we have to. Sure. I, on the other hand, tend to be the person that reads Twitter, and I see what I consider to be mildly awful takes often it's just people screaming into the void sure so we're going to do our own version of screaming into the void except we don't have to scream we've got a podcast indeed i can yell into a mic exactly (laughs) and so we're going to you don't even have to get that loud you can just lean in a little bit i could just lean in and have a gravelly voice and give you my hot takes so we've got 10 hot takes tonight uh these were randomly selected mostly, but some of them because they're more popular than anything else. Sure. Many of these have been repeated a lot. Yes. Like over and over. I see, particularly the first one I see over people bitching and complaining about all of this. Oh God. Yeah. We're going to try to give our take on this. So we'll, we'll talk about the hot take. I'll give my viewpoint on that. Matt will give a viewpoint. We'll talk about it a little bit. We'll basically explain why it's a stupid take. Yeah, basically. I mean- That's what it is, right? Yeah. We're not messing around here. No. So let's jump into take number one. Session zero. Why the fuck are we still talking about this? I have have no idea. So (laughs) just so uh, give me your hot take on it. My hot take? Yes. All right. First off, this should not even be a hot take. You should just have a session zero, Matt. Sure. I mean, we in fact have a whole episode on session zero. And if you haven't, Listen to that. Go check it out. It's before YouTube. Yeah. In it, fact, I think it, it's like what episode like eight, maybe. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. It's been. It feels like forever. But it's almost three years ago. It has been a long time. Yes. So a lot of DMs get their underwear in a bind because they don't want to talk about feelings or I guess the game with their fellow players. Well, tough shit. All right. Be an adult. Talk to your players ahead of time. Go ahead and establish what you want to play. 
what your friends want to play, what you're running, maybe some of the themes that are involved, because that's called being an adult, running a game. If you don't want to do that, don't run a game. Seems simple enough. That's my take on the hot take. Why are we still talking about it? I don't know. Everyone should be doing this. Here's my hot take on this. Okay. And it's fairly simple. 90% of people who don't want to have a session zero already have a session zero. They just don't organize it. If you didn't have a session zero, how would you know what game you're playing? How would you know what characters your players are playing? Mm -hmm. How would you know anything about what's going on if you haven't had at least some base form of this conversation? Yes. Period. It does not make sense to me. Even if you post in your friendly local game store, it says what game, what world it's being played in, and what the premise of the game is. Congratulations, you've written a session zero. The only thing you haven't done is talked about safety tools. That can be a five to ten minute conversation if you're adult enough to have it. Hey, is there anything that bothers you? That's all you have to say. Does something bother you? And you say yes or no as a player, and everybody feels better. Here's what we're not going to talk about. And then don't talk about that in your game. Yep. That's a session zero. Look, we've beat this many times to death, but I'll just do Necro it Necrobestial sadism. We will, you know what? We're going to beat this dead horse one more time, Matt. I'll give you an example of why you should have a session zero. Matt, you and I are going to watch some TV tonight. I invite you over to my house, and I'm going to say, you know what? We're going to watch The Mandalorian. Why? Because it's awesome, right? Sure. Gonna come over and watch the Mandalorian. Everybody loves Baby Yoda, right? Grogu's cute. Yeah. You come over and we're watching Fox News. Now that's first off, that's all kinds of messed up because you don't want to watch Tucker Carlson. I mean, Fox News is kind of like Twitter, except in video form. Sure. And secondly, I have now lied to you about the agreement we were going to have. You thought we were going to watch Baby Yoda get cuddled. Session zero is a social contract. That's literally it. All it is is establish what you're cool with and what you're not cool with. So don't let your friends watch Fox News, first off. And secondly, have a session zero. Absolutely. God's sakes, have a session zero. Just have one. It's that easy. Next up. Oh, we're you and I actually disagree on this one. That's fine. We could totally disagree. We're yeah. friends, right? Yep. And what we're talking about is dark vision. Take yes. it or leave it. Well, what is, what's your story on this? Where are you at? I say you should get rid of dark vision, period. Just all together. And I'll tell you why. First off, name a creature that doesn't have dark vision aside from humans. Gnomes? I don't I don't know. I actually I don't actually I don't know either. I played a gnome. The point I'm trying to make is is that way too many creatures have dark vision. And dark vision I've always found to be kind of precariously weird anyway. And I know that originally it was infravision, which made way more sense because creatures actually do have infrasense. Right. Like snakes, for example, pit yeah. vipers. But the whole idea of seeing in the darkness is just, it's kind of dumb, right? Sure. I, I understand what you're saying. Now, if you're a fiend or fiend-related, that makes perfect sense. But should SMRs be able to see in the dark? No. They should be able to cast light. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Should this random cat creature have be able to see in the dark? No. They're cats. Cats don't see in the dark. I mean, they are crepuscular creatures. They 
their night vision is superior to humans. So low light vision would be far. But we don't have that anymore because they made it uh, less complicated. Yeah, well, that's dumb too. You know what? If an owl had dark vision or a nocturnal species had dark vision, I would be totally cool with that. But what happens is is that even Genasi have dark vision. Why did Genasi need dark vision? If you're living in the plane of fire, when are you going to see a shadow? Think about that. Sure. You should. What you should have is bright vision, because let me tell you, your you eyes should, are going to. You be f- should be immune to like blinding, like yeah. flash and stuff. Yeah, like you that. should be yeah. immune to radiance. Yeah, think about that. That would be awesome. I, I get why Fifth Edition did it specifically. Is because they, yeah, like you said, they wanted to clear things up. Because three point five had so many types of senses. Yes, but let's let's kind of tone down on some of that. Let's bring back low light vision, maybe, and then. 86, half of the species that have dark vision. Okay. All of those make sense for where your head is at. I, on the other hand, don't have a problem with dark vision. What I have is a problem with people not enforcing the rules of dark vision. Now, now I agree with that. Let's talk about 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 dark vision for a second. This makes sense. Dark vision does not turn your eyes into freaking flashlights so that you see perfectly well no you have disadvantage on all perception checks and you can't see color there are so many things that that screws with that people are just like oh yeah no it's perfect vision in the dark no no it's not no it's just vision vision yes you you are capable of seeing and you can't see color nope which means you can't see the blood on the floor Mm, that's a good point or if any puzzle is done in color if any runes are done in color there there are so many things where light is actually important that if you trust in dark vision with someone who's actually enforcing the rules you are in desperate trouble yeah so let's get rid of dark vision or Or just do it correctly or, or play it how it is next up to make people on the internet's heads explode Character races with flight are just fine. Quit being a bitch. There you go. I I perfectly agree. Matt, what's your take on this? This is what cantrips are for. Yes. My my take is the same. This is what bows are for. Shoot people down. Flight's not really an overpowered ability. Yes, you can fly and drop things down, but that's why a spellcaster is useful. Yeah. That's why if you're a warrior, you have a bow. It's literally part of your starting equipment. Yeah. It just, I, this is a non-issue. It's never been an issue. I don't understand why people get so stuck on it. Stop. Just stop and use a ranged weapon. That's what they're there for. Or play a ranger. Or play a warlock, honestly. Yeah. Play a warlock. You'll never have to worry about flying characters, right? There's so many options. Uh, hey, there's, that's the perfect use for an arcane archer. Absolutely. I totally agree with that as well. Next up, number four. Races are fine to mix and match. Now, you and I are both in agreement on this yes. one. Now, first off, let's let's talk about the word race. Let's just call them species or heritage. Pathfinder calls them heritage. heritage. And I honestly think that's realistically. Heritages or lineages are the two best options realistically. I like the word lineages as well. We don't have to even put the word in there if it makes people uncomfortable. Sure. You guys could be, again, let's talk about being adult, right? Right. If you want to use the word, fine. Species is what they really are, scientifically. 
And people sure. get pissed off at that because it's scientific sounding for a fantasy game, but so what, right? Yep. So you could just have different ones. Now, they're not overpowered if you're doing it thematically anyway. I mean, I ran a game where somebody was playing a mug, like it's literally true. a beer stein. I and, played a displacer beast in that game. Yes, you played a tiny. As a character. Yes, you played a displacer beast, and one of our friends played a half-dragon, half-elf. Yeah. Guess what? It worked fine. Of course, it was Planescape, but hey, that could work in any game. Sit down and have an adult conversation with your players. Explain balance, and it's fine. And you say, okay, you take these traits, and you put this thematic chassis on it, Yep. And this is what you got. And everybody's happy. And you know what? That's an easy call for a DM to do. It's super easy. Yeah. It doesn't take any work. Mix and match. Or, Mix and match. end of the day, for most of them, you could literally say, you want to play a dragonborn fire genasi? No problem. You pick one racial set or the other, mm-hmm. and then you skin it. To look like whatever. To look like whatever. Yeah. It is a non-issue. Stop it. And that's that's it. Yeah. Also, speaking of species and races and so forth, you should be able to breed whatever you want. Yes. Because of magic. It, it's it, Look, this is a fantasy game. So you're telling me you can have half elves and half orcs, but you can't have half gnomes? And what? And, and speak of the, speaking of the half, why does the half always have to be human? I despise, I, there's, oh my, this is one of, see, I lost my ability to speak for a second. That's how much I hate it. You're telling me that gnome's not going to get down with, say, a halfling or a dwarf or I, an elf? No, listen, culturally, they even talk about the fact that halflings are great cooks. You and I both know that there's a certain age range wherein the ability to cook equals the ability to get laid. Yes. That's just, those are just true <laughs> facts. Okay. It's true. So you're going to tell me there's not a halfling version of literally everything. There are halfling tieflings, halfling Asimar, halfling Genasi. I don't buy There's it. tiny little mixes running around all over the place. Absolutely. We talked about in our last episode with uh, the half gnomes. Half goblins. Yeah. In a gra- yeah. Yeah. I mean, they'd be running around the grassland, right? Yeah. That's what happens. That has always driven me crazy. In fact, one of my NPCs for years is a halfling tiefling bartender. A halfling tiefling bartender. Yes. So it's okay. Cool. Yeah. Why not? You could mix and match, right? Take some traits, throw some stuff together. It's a fantasy game. Note the part that I said game. It's a game. It right? is a game. Yes. Speaking of which, on the whole subject of it being a game, up to the next one. Bad things happen. It's fantasy. Be an adult. Yes. What are we talking about when we're talking about this particular take? There are a great many people who say X thing should never happen in a game. You should never make concrete statements about what should and shouldn't happen at other people's tables firstly secondly this is what session zero is for yes if you want to have a grim dark adventure and your players are into that right death disease you know 
gruesome topics and so forth, that's up to you and your players. Let's use serial killers as an example. Okay, we'll use serial killers. Who are they killing? Frosted Flakes? Lucky Charms? What's going on? Everybody. <laughs> right. No, they, let's make them twisted. They only kill single fathers. Okay. That's, that, that's their twist, right? That's awful. Yes, that is an awful you, thing. You're literally making an orphan every time you kill somebody. Mm-hmm. In the real world, that would be truly bent. In a world where oftentimes characters are trying to be heroes, they must face things that are dark. Yeah, so what you're saying basically is, is if you're going to fight a bad guy, make them bad. Yes. And you don't even have to go into graphic description of how bad they are in many cases. If you're a savvy storyteller, you can just allude to that stuff without directly saying anything. And again, sure. all of this is prefaced by session zero. Right. It, everything, in fact, I would say this entire episode is prefaced by a session zero, right? Yes. Players like to rally around obviously bad individuals anyway. You know, that yeah. guy's mean. He, you know, he puts people in chains, he kicks puppies, right? Yeah. Does what? Let's, he needs to die. Yep. Right? Stinking puppy kicker. You've had a bad day at the office, bad day at work, bad week, bad life, right? You go and play something fantasy. You want to be a hero. They like being heroes. People like having a clearly black and white scenario in terms of this guy is bad, this guy is good. And that's my thing. The real world has so many variables, so much moral gray area that in a game, give your players someone that is just obviously, irredeemably evil. evil, Yeah. And let them kick them around because sometimes people just need that little mental vacation. This guy's got a puppy spanking machine. (laughs) He's got to die. He's kicking a flump. Fuck this guy. Don't flump kicker. You can't. He's got to die. He's yeah. in my game. He's he's wearing a flump jacket. Yeah, flump oh, skin jacket. He's, he's he's going to hell, man. Going to hell in a handbasket. A flump handbasket. Speaking of other interesting hot takes, we've got what, Matt? We've got the question of the week. All right. I can't wait to hear this one. If you could replace Dungeons and Dragons as the dominant fixture of TTRPGs, what game would you personally? prefer to see as the dominant fixture oh well chummer i'm just gonna say saddle up to a uh, little bit of chrome maybe some magic tossed your way really i think shadowrun would be a lot of fun as the dominant game but you know i've got i got mad love for some cyberpunk anyway you do and i think it'd be fun you know just rolling through the hood you got your troll skin you've got a leather jacket you've got a smart gun link tied to your smart gun and a you know panther assault cannon on your back sure it's a mono wire in your uh, in your cybernetic arm <laughs> be great and now another game i think would be fun to take dominance would also be uh, a white wolf game mage of the ascension or any of the mage versions sure not necessarily vampire the masquerade and i know I i'm know. probably going <laughs> to irritate the family out there i do love vampire uh, in fact i've played it many times but mage just has a special love in my heart for flinging spells and descending into absolute madness now you know i like mage but if i had to make a world of darkness choice 
You'd, you'd be werewolf. You'd be werewolf. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Because I, we, uh, you ran the werewolf werewolves. It was it the rat campaign. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was fun. Just get into trouble in the sewers. Ratkin is the best World of Darkness one-shot game you can possibly run. I've yet to see anyone run it. Make it happen, Internet. You should run it, Matt. Think about that. We'll do that yeah, on Twitch. I'll, yeah, I'll try and uh, we'll we'll see if we can get some players for that one yeah. of these days. What's your answer aside from World of Darkness? I would love an updated, because it's a little outdated at this point because of when it was written. I would love an updated Palladium universe to take dominance. Oh, that would be very interesting. And that's a huge universe. I mean, that could be anything. Rifts, superheroes, you... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Yeah, little TMNT in little there. Little TMNT, get some Ratkin in there too, you know. It's true. Some splinters walking around. That would be awesome. You know what? TMNT's got special love in my heart as well, just because, again, you want to talk about some rando creatures that you can blend together? Yeah. That's a perfect example. You could. You want to have uh, a dude that looks like Doro Hetero with the lizard head? No problem. You can totally have that. Well, you know it's got special love in my heart. It was literally the first game I ever played was TMNT. Oh, I love that. Of course, we're always interested in your answer to the question of the week. If you have a specific game that would take dominance over D&D that you want to tell us about, hit us up at Goblin's Corner on Twitter. And of course, you can reach us on all the various other social media dumpster fires. It's true. I wouldn't mind tossing out a little bit of love for Fantasy Flight's Star Wars games. Yeah, also, yeah. Which play, are super good. Play some Jedi. We got some yeah. Jedi love as well. Absolutely. I could play Baby Yoda. I'd play Baby Yoda in this day. That would be fun. Oh, yeah. Have him playing Star Wars RPG. Actually, you know what? I'd love to see them update some stuff so you could play like a Mandalorian or something like that. I haven't looked at the Star Wars RPG lately. I wonder if they have any stats on that. I think they do, actually. Well, we got to give that another go then. Although, you gave me an amazing idea mm-hmm. for a game to run. Star Wars Babies. Star Wars, but like Muppet Babies. Star Wars Babies. That would they got be big hilarious. heads and everything? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that would be great. Oh, that would be hilarious. All right, let's jump back into some hot takes, Matt. All right. All right, number six. We're going to talk about DMs fudging roles. Yay or nay, Matt? It is sometimes absolutely necessary. A, for the dice rolls to follow the narrative, but also because on occasion... Earlier in a game, one bad roll can murder a low-level party. If you're a first-level player and they fail something, they're dead. Here's a good example. A five-foot ball of fire. Okay, so a fireball. No, no, five-foot. Oh, a five-foot ball of fire. Okay. Yeah, the um, Not produce flame, but a flaming sphere. Fail- okay, the one that you can move around and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is rolled down a hallway. The party fails. They're all dead. You accidentally max the damage on that roll. Some goblins Party, come along and dead. eat their crispy corpse. Yeah. They're Kentucky Fried Players. That's yeah. completely the end of the game. You should fudge that roll. You should. 100%. Now, this also involves the ability to roll behind a screen. So if you're playing in roll 20 and you're showing your rolls or you're just rolling on the table and showing your rolls, it can get a little hairy. What I would recommend at that point is do some kind of DM fiat that allows you to then bypass the really nasty roll. Even if it's as hamfist as the hand of the DM comes down, you know, if you just started playing your character and they spent five hours making their character, 
give him at least five hours of gameplay before you kill him off. Well, I'm going to say that because this, uh, this hallway is so wet and swampy and there's water on the floor, everybody takes half damage. Oh, no, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a lie I'm going to tell. But if you're rolling behind a screen, you just literally half the damage and let everybody know what they took. Absolutely. What about you? Where's your, where's your stance on this? My take is always, how does it fit the narrative? How does it fit the story? So I play, I play all games as a storyteller, which we sure. should, right? In my opinion, and this is, again, another hot take we didn't write down, rules are meant to be broken if it makes the story more interesting because it's collaborative storytelling. Right. Like, that's the whole part of it being fun. Yes, the rules are fun, and I know the argument about it. Well, you know, the rules are the rules, and it's part of the fun is playing by those rules. But sometimes you just want to tell a cool fucking story. And a lot of times the rules do not account for the brains of the players or the DM. Yes, sometimes people make bad decisions. Maybe they're inexperienced in playing, and they want to tell a fun story. Again, this comes to session zero, right? So you can right off the bat say, hey, do you want me to roll on the table or do you guys want me to kind of roll behind the scenes? You could give the positive and negatives for that. You might ask them, are you more narratively driven or rules driven playing your character? And that can give you an idea of how you're going to roll. If all of the characters like, nope, roll on the table, we roll by the rules, very strict. That's cool, right? Nothing wrong with that. They're dead. You know? Yep. You, you let them know one bad roll could end your character. And they understand it because it's a game, right? Right. Can all be an adults. But if we're more narratively focused, which I generally play just because it's more fun, at least in my view, then you can fudge them a little bit. Like you said, you, even if you're rolling on the table, you can still make up excuses to kind of mitigate some damage or give people extra chances. I generally do that a lot with inspiration points. Sure. Which, which we house rule in a lot. You just, if you do something cool, you get an inspiration point, And then at some point, oh, yeah, you failed against that disintegration ray, so you better spend an inspiration point on that. And they just, you know, they burn that point. Jake. Yes. What about you, Jake? Because <laughs> you don't want all of your characters to die. Right. Speaking of that, let's go into the next hot take, Matt. All right. Death happens. It's okay to kill characters. Yes, it totally is. If it happens, it happens. As we've mentioned in our episode, Combat, Injury, and Death, if it happens, make it interesting. Give them the option to not make it permanent. Exactly. And, and by the way, if they die, if you do, let's say you wipe the entire party or just one character, death doesn't mean it's the end. Right. My thing is, especially early on, if you've got a character that's tied into the story and narratively you want them there, the player wants to keep playing that character because some don't. Some players, if you if their character dies, they're done with it. They're willing to write it off and roll another character immediately. Cool. Some prefer to continue with the story that is currently running. That's also awesome. There is a price for everything. And you should make them pay the price. And that's it. It's that simple. Yes. You can 100% go to the God of Mercenaries and have one of his clerics raise your friends, but now that raise is on lease until you pay it off. Hey, look, you're in a fantasy. Don't miss a payment. 
hey, look, you're in a fantasy game where literally you can go to the underworld and bring somebody back. Yeah. Make that the adventure. Absolutely. I there I've played games where that happened and it's awesome. Do you know how awesome it feels when you get your character back? You're playing a ghost. And what you can do is you can do this a couple ways, but I would recommend one of the two ways. The first is you play a ghost and you're literally playing with your rest of your party if one person dies. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of fun. The second way is maybe uh this is really fun if the character dies and they happen to maybe have to go away or they can't make the game sessions for some reason. Then you play with them offline and you do the whole one person gaming session with them as a ghost trying to get through and survive the underworld while the rest of the party is physically in the underworld trying to rescue you. Yeah. That's a lot of fun too. We just took too long. I had to rescue myself. Yeah. (laughs) Shows up one day. He's got like a white streak in his hair. I've seen things no one else can see. I would definitely, there's, there's a lot of things that I would do. To, to make that more interesting. You can also make a Faustian bargain. I mean, there are devils that will definitely return them to life for a price. Hags. Hags will do it. Yeah. yeah. There's all sorts of things you can bargain with. Death is not permanent. Right. Now, next up, we've got another fun hot take. Social skills exist for a reason. Not everyone is comfortable being in character. What do we mean by this one, Matt? Oh, this is a big one for me. This is an argument that I've had on a couple of occasions. You're not playing yourself. You're playing a character. You don't ask the person playing a barbarian to go outside and pick up a car. They roll a die to see if they have the strength and athletics for it. Yes. Which means if you have a quiet person or a person with anxiety... You should not expect them just because they're playing a bard to be able to sing, sing, to be able to come out with the most eloquent speech known to man. Charisma is force of personality. You can be gorgeous and awful and people still hate you. You can be eloquent and nobody like what you have to say. You can also not be eloquent, but make very important points. You shouldn't expect everything to be Shakespearean just because someone's capable or has the skills for it. Let them say what they're trying to say as plainly, as cleanly as possible and roll the roll. That is what the skill is there for. It, oh my God, it is such hey, a pet peeve of mine. It, does, it irritates me. I've had coming people out of his literally like... Well, it's a role-playing game. Yes. Yes, it is. And they're playing a role to the best of their ability. Note the part about it being a game once again. And I agree with you, by the way. The way I figure it is, is this comes from an improviser as well. Role-play if you want or don't, right? Look, I've played a brain surgeon on stage. (laughs) I'm not a brain surgeon. I pretended to be one. Now, I like to improvise because that's my shtick, but... There's some things I'm not comfortable improvising, right? Right. I'm not good at dancing, for example. I might roll for that. If you happen, as you mentioned, to be someone who is maybe new to the experience, not used to jumping up and just singing for some reason, then, yeah, let them roll. Let them roll for int stuff, too. Just because your character has an intelligence of 20 doesn't mean that the person playing the character has an intelligence of 20. 
Or even if the person playing the character is super smart, it doesn't mean whatever puzzle you've laid out, like physical, actual puzzle you've laid out, is something that is in their mental ballywick. Now, on the flip side of this, let's talk about the fact that you might be smart enough to figure something out, but your character isn't. And that's another reason why have them roll. Yeah. So we've had players say, well, I know blah, blah, blah equals blah, blah, blah. That's cool. Your character has an intelligence at 10. You may know that as a player. Your character may not know that. And so it's all about understanding that this is a game. You're playing a particular character with a particular set of stats. I tend to be a person who speaks fairly well. However, my turtle druid 100% is not. And so no matter how compelling an argument I make... Your charisma sucks. My charisma sucks. Yeah. And so you try to role play that a lot, but sometimes you, it comes out because you we slip. A, yeah. Well, we yeah. run a podcast. We're naturally used to talking as well. Right. And so you kind of have to kind of dumb it down a little bit. I intentionally didn't take proficiency in any of those skills because the character wouldn't. He's a hermit. Yeah. You kind of followed the trope a yep. little bit. Speaking of which. Ah, let's move on to the next hot take. Using tropes is okay. And we'll give a couple examples. The horny bard, the Scottish blacksmith or dwarf, the irritating paladin who drowned. I'm fine with tropes. I like tropes. Tropes are fun because they are a baseline for playing characters, which you can then add your own little spice to kind of make things interesting. Mm -hmm. Look, archetypes exist for a reason in stories anyway. It doesn't mean you have to play it. It just means that it's there to help you. And if you look at tropes in terms of this is where I can take something further, then it makes a lot more sense. Sure. I am pro-trope, but I'm also pro-turning tropes on their heads. Yeah, reverse it a little bit. So here's the thing. Tropes allow you to present an expected world, right? In fantasy, these things are true, in quotation marks. Once your players recognize that these tropes are in play, you can, they get comfortable, Mm -hmm. right? They get in the warm, fuzzy bed and they're like, okay, I understand where this world is. You then take one of those tropes and you twist it. Yeah. The short, adorable little shopkeeper that is supposed to be their party friend is the necromancer Absolutely. is the cultist is the person that's going to stab the heavily the muscled barbarian that you expect to talk like my name thog is actually very literate yeah he doesn't speak very often but that's because he chooses not to but when he does say something it's amazing he's got an int of like 18 yep yeah those are fun ways to throw tropes back kind of in a, on back on the players and stuff he, like that. He has he has a really low charisma, right? So he just doesn't speak very often. He knows that he's going to make a bad impression regardless, but he's very intelligent. Exactly. Built his own hut. It flies. <laughs> That'd be a lot of fun, right? It would. Yeah, I love I loved playing tropes. I love taking tropes and turning them on, or, on their head as well. And I think that's a fun way to do it. Again, it's just a game mechanic. Use it as a game mechanic. Get a life, folks. And just to be clear, the only way you can establish a solid plot twist as if there are tropes present because your players 
have to get comfortable. And the only way they know what to expect is if you've provided them with enough context clues, which is what tropes end up being, Mm -hmm. to be able to just flip it. You can take that shit to the bank. Yep. And finally, we have our last hot take of the evening. Yes. You ready for this? I'm ready. Very few things are overpowered. You're just unimaginative. All right. Please explain, Matt. In a game where magic exists literally everywhere, like, oh, flight's overpowered. Oh, wish is overpowered. Other people have wish. Wish can be counterspelled. <laughs> Stop it. Right? If your players are high enough level to do the things that seem super powerful, then you should be letting them do things that are super powerful. Because they're adventures. But also, they should be facing things that are just as powerful. That are just as powerful. You know what? By the time your players have wish, so do their enemies. Ta-da. This is not hard. It's simply not. Oh, they can animate dead? That's cool. There's a necromancer that's been doing that for the last year, and they've got an army of undead. Yeah. It's, it's that simple. All of these things, and it doesn't even matter what it is. Like A lot of people, especially on some forums that we frequent, will complain about this particular spell being overpowered or this particular spell. I'll give you an example. Silvery Barbs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I made an entire character, my Luckomancer, that uses that and all of the halfling luck feats. I get like 10 re-rolls a day, right? It's right. great. By the way, if anybody wants the, uh, the build, hit me up. It's, it's perfect. It's my character, Oxley. Clear it with your DM first. Yes. It is rude. It is a rude, rude build. But you know what? I've played it not only in your campaign. Yeah. I've also played it in our buddy Ian's campaign. Yep. Under common tastes for the win. And we had a great time with that. And you know why he was cool with that? Because he understands escalating abilities. Right. Oh, you're going to play that? No problem. Some of the enemies are going to have that as well. So whenever you did a spell that wasn't directly counterspelling or making somebody reroll... I'm going to make you re-roll too. Sure. Or I'm going to make it so that you can't have something re-roll, like environmental effects. Right. Every power that your players can come into contact with, their enemies can come into contact with. You could literally, from word go, say the Lich has cast a wish that clearly states that anyone attempting to use wish against him it is immediately counterspelled. That's his wish. Mm-hmm. So the first time your players cast wish, ooh, I've got this great plan, it just... Or time stop. Yep. That would be my first one. Oh, you cast time stop? That's oh, no, cool. Because... He's already cast time stop before you walked through the door. He's got <laughs> a bunch of summoned creatures. But the thing is, is like the wish versus wish, right? It does. They don't even have to be present. The wish was cast a long time ago. It literally, the wish is literally counterspelled any wish that negatively targets me. Yep. That's the wish. Now, again, all of this is saying be an adult, play your stuff like you want to play it. Talk to your players. Communicate, folks. It's a wonderful thing. See, we have a thing where we have games that are very narratively focused, and sometimes we play games that are very power focused, and... A, session zero sets that expectation, but we'll have games where everybody min-maxes and it's just a raffle stomp, just dropping meteors from the sky. 
And that's great. And then we'll have some where we literally just role play throughout the stuff and we're not worried about op. We build more on themes and ideas. And that's just as fun too. It all comes down to understanding what you're playing, what your DM or storyteller is running. And again, just being sensitive to what's going on. Right. Be a human being, folks. It's surprising how much fun you can have just talking and figuring things out together. Yeah. It's almost like it's a storytelling game. Shocking. Mind-boggling. So there you have it. There's 10 of our hot takes drawn from the dumpster fire of the internet for you to use. Feel free to disagree with us. It's fine. You may agree with us. That's also cool, too. If you have any questions or comments, hit us up at Goblins Corner on Twitter. Did you enjoy this program? We've got more hot takes somewhere. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite player, YouTube and Twitch. Click the five stars and give us a review on iTunes and Podchaser. And on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe button. It helps get our show in front of more people, and it feeds the hungry algorithm. She's currently creeping up behind us with a shadow band somewhere in sight. <laughs> it's going to do it. It's not happy. That's all the time we have for tonight. Once again, my name is Eric. And I'm Matt. We'll see you next time. Good night, folks. Goblin's Corner has been written and produced by Eric Holden and Matt Staples. Music by D20. This is a subterranean production.